We hope you enjoy this message from Church on the Lake by Pastor Mike Cooper. And just trusting that he's going to minister in a powerful way. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. And let's look at verses 15 through 22 this morning. Continuing in our series, The Righteous Revolution. Isaiah 60, verses 15 through 22. Although you once were rejected and despised, undesirable for anyone to pass through you, That really sounds like something that just happened here about labels, about chains. Wow. I will make you majestic forever, a source of joy for every generation. You will guzzle the milk of nations and suckle the breasts of kings. You will know me intimately that I am Yahweh, your Savior. For I am the mighty hero who rules over Jacob's tribes, your kinsman redeemer. I will replace your copper with gold, your iron with silver, your wood with copper, and your stone with iron. I will install peace and prosperity as your government and righteousness as your overseer. Threats of violence will no longer be heard in your land, nor will destruction and ruin be found. Within your borders, you will name your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no longer be needed to brighten the day, nor the moon to shine at night. For Yahweh will be your unfailing light. Your God will be your glory. There will be no more sunsets or new moons, for Yahweh will be your everlasting light, and your days of sadness will be over. All your people will be righteous and will permanently possess the land I planted them there as a tender sapling, the work of my own hands to display my glory. I will multiply the least of you into a thousand and the weakest one into a mighty nation. I am Yahweh, and when the right time comes, I will accomplish it swiftly." Now, this morning, I'm excited to share this with you, and I'm preaching it a little bit different this morning. I actually broke up my reading a little bit as to the different points. I've got three points that I'm going to bring out of this. I feel like this is a a timely word. I feel like it is a word to us. It's it's a right now word. It is a, a right this moment word that God is wanting to speak to us. And so let me just start with verses 15 and 16. I want to read them again. I want you to see these labels, and I want want you to see how God rips those labels off. He, He breaks those chains, and He brings us into our future. Although you were one, although you once were rejected and despised, you were undesirable for anyone to pass through you. I will make you majestic forever 
a source of joy for every generation. You will guzzle the milk of nations and suckle at the breasts of kings. You will know me intimately that I am Yahweh, your Savior, for I am the mighty hero who rules over Jacob's tribe, your kinsman, Redeemer. There's three words there that I've, I've, I've mentioned already, but I want you to hear them because these are words that represent our past or represent labels that we're trying to, to shed or chains that maybe we're under, rejected, despised, undesirable. On Wednesday night, Liz and I talked about the blessing and the curse. And Liz shared about how that we are, that the power of our words, we are to bless other people. We are to bless people with our words. These words would represent the second part of what I was going to say on Wednesday night. I was going to say we do not want to curse people. And these words represent cursing people. If I would have got to what I was going to say on Wednesday night, I would have said things like this. And this is how we speak a curse upon people. We say things like, you'll never be successful. You were born to suffer. You'll never be able to have any children. You're not as good as... Or to ourselves, I might as well just die. Or saying to someone else, you're just better off dead. See, those are all things that speak curses into others or our own lives. And the power of our words really do reflect how are we walking and living in the faith that God has put before us? Am I living in the blessing? Am I living in what God has called me to do? And if I am, then I'm living in that blessing and I'm speaking that blessing, or am I still wrangled up in the label or the curse of my life? And here's the sad part. Many of us are trying to live our Christian life while living in the curse. And how do we do that? We do it in our own, how do we do that? We do that when we're living in our own strength. In other words, we're trying to earn our salvation by being good. So we're still carrying around all of our past, all of the labels, and then we're working so hard to be a good person. And it's because if I'm a good person, then God will accept me. Can I just be very blunt? You do not get to heaven by being a good person. Can I say it again? Because some of you need to hear this. You do not get to heaven by being a good person. If you just live to be a good person, you will not make it to heaven. You get to heaven by having faith in Jesus Christ to redeem you from your sin. Oh, do we have some believers in the house? You get to heaven by believing in Jesus Christ to redeem you from your sin. No good person will get to heaven without Jesus. I've had some wonderful neighbors, and one of my neighbors' name was Joe. 
and he was good old Joe, but good old Joe will not meet me in heaven unless he meets good old Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way that Joe gets in. Because none of us get in on our own merit. You can try, 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 but you will not get in unless you have faith, faith, faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to God except through him. So we need to, we need to quit trying to be good and let, us, let God flow through us. When we are redeemed from our sin, then we become a son or a daughter of the Father. But when you see life through the glasses of your own rejection or through the eyes of someone who despises you or through the voice that says you're undesirable, you can't see how good God is. And you can't see that God has redeemed you because you're looking through the wrong glasses. You're seeing with the wrong perspective. God wants you to know who he is so that you can know who you are. Because it's not until you know who he is that you'll understand who you are. Y'all with me? Okay. Jesus says this about you. You'll be majestic forever. Wow. That's a royal identity right there, isn't it? You're going to be a source of joy for every generation. When you live in rejection, you have no strength. When you live in your true identity, you have a source of joy, not just for you, but to pass to the generations to come. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is your strength. But if you're living on people's rejection, if you're living on words of, that you're despised and they don't like you, then you're weak, you're, you, you have nothing. But when you understand who God is, who your Savior is, and what he's done in your life, then joy begins to bubble up inside of you. And the Bible says it's like rivers of living water. There are rivers of living water brewing up inside of you because the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit comes forth as rivers of living water. That says to me that no matter what I go through in life, no matter how many times I'm rejected or despised or anything, that, that the real true source of my strength doesn't come from the outside but from the inside. And as Christians, you're going to go through stuff. So if you're living on your own strength, you're not going to stand. In a day like we are going through over the last two years, who would have thought? But think of the countless churches that have closed across America and never reopened because of this virus. Because when the, when the pressure came, when the hardship came, everybody scattered. 
So what does that tell me? That if our strength is in outside sources, we have no strength. But if it is in the Lord, then it comes from the inside and it is an inner strength of the joy of the Lord that we pass to every generation. That's the kind of strength that will help people through this time. And we need to be that kind of a people. When you live in that true identity, that joy just bubbles. The, uh, you, you start guzzling the milk of nations and suckling at the breasts of kings. I don't know that I need to elaborate on that any more than it already says. <laughs> but what it is, this is a different way of saying what I said last week. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light. Kings will be attracted to the sunrise glory of your new day. That's what we preached on last week. And it's just another way of saying it, that when we live as God has called us to live, we are a light and it will draw people from every direction. So that's who you are. And this is who God is. He goes on to say, I am Yahweh. Whenever you hear the name Yahweh, if you're looking at it from the from the Passion Translation, it is saying, I am the great I am. He says, I'm your Savior, for I am the mighty hero who rules over Jacob's tribe. I am your kinsman redeemer. This is who God is. So he says, you are, this is your royal identity, and for, to really understand that, you need to understand who I am. See, Superman just isn't good enough for me. As much as I loved Superman as a kid or Batman and Robin or Spider-Man, they're just not good enough. I have a mighty hero. I have a true hero. He's not just a comic. He's not just a television program. He's not just something that has a great costume, but he is the mighty hero of heaven and he is the hero of my soul. Jesus. Amen. Woo! I like that. What happens when you see God for all that he is and who you are for who you truly are? And this is the phrase I have for that. When we, when we truly see who God is and who we are, watch out world, here comes the church. Remember that Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. So when we truly understand who he is, who we are, the gates of hell cannot hold up against the church. Everybody understands, I hope, what the gates, what we're talking about here. In ancient times, all of the business of a city happened at the gates of a city. So everything, all the commerce, the the political things, everything happened at the gates. So it represents the seat of authority. What does the scripture say? The, The gates of hell, the seat of hell's authority, shall not prevail against you, the church. The gates of hell... The seat of hell's authority shall not prevail against you. So here you come. Now think of it in ancient days because this is how we get the picture. You're coming with this big rampart. And you're coming up to the gate. 
That sounds kind of cool. And just before you get to the gate, there's this, ha! So the church is saying, look out world, here we come. Amen? Here we come. We see Jesus. We see the power of God. We see who we are. And when we get to the gate, hoo-ha! And it says that the gate will not prevail against the rampart. When that thing hits, it splits, it breaks, and you're through. Every word curse that's been spoken over you, everything that the enemy has tried to lie, steal, and kill, and to destroy, it shall not prevail against you. In Jesus' name. Whew. Somebody take hold of that. All right, number two, verses 17 and 18. I will replace your copper with gold, your iron with silver, your wood with copper, and your stone with iron. Do you see what he did there? So he replaces the copper with gold and the iron with silver. Then he takes the wood and turns it into copper, and he takes the stone and turns it into iron, and what do they do? They turn it into gold and silver. Everything ends up gold and silver, doesn't it? I will install peace and prosperity as your government and righteousness as your overseer. Threats of violence will no longer be heard in your land, nor will destruction and ruin be found within your borders. You will name your walls salvation and your gates praise. When the church awakens to the righteous revolution, all systems have to change. Think of the overthrow of a government for a moment. When America won Britain, America was no longer under British rule. We cast off the restraints of the British rule and we became a free nation called the United States of America. In France, they were under the oppression of the papal system. And whether uh, you agree with how it all happened, there was a French revolution that cast off the restraints of papal authority, and they ended up winning, and, and the call was, Viva la France! You see, they cast off the previous administration. They cast off what was ruling them, and they begin to walk in their new liberty and freedom. And that's a revolution. We shake off the old ways and we walk into the new. And that was God's word to us last week, that the new has come. And here's what happens when the new comes in the kingdom. Your walls now have a new name, salvation. And your gates are called praise. What, what could that mean for our community if our walls are named salvation. Think about that. That means, and, and I know these are just physical walls. We all represent those walls. So what does that mean as the walls of the church when we go out into our community that literally, as we said, open up the gates 
Swing wide ye gates, for the King of glory has come. That means everywhere you go, the King of glory goes. Our walls are salvation. Think of that. Think, think what that could look like in each one of our surrounding communities around the lake. What would it look like for our gates to be called gates of praise? What would it look like if, if as time goes by and, and this prayer altar begins to spring up in 2022 all across the Gulf Coast area and the gate in the northeast corridor becomes a gate of praise? <laughs> that really brings Brother Donnie's verse to life. Swing wide, ye heavenly gates. What kind of influence then does that have on the, the now third largest city in America when the gates of praise are swung wide open? <sighs> could, could we have that kind of an influence? I believe the scripture says that when we see God as he is and we see who we are, that anything is possible. All right, number three, bringing this to a close. The sun will no longer be needed to brighten the day, nor the moon to shine at night, for Yahweh will be your unfailing light. Your God will be your glory. There'll be no more sunsets or new moons, for Yahweh will be your everlasting light, and your days of sadness will be over. All your people will be righteous, the righteous generation of the righteous revolution, and I will permanently possess the land. I planted them there as a tender sapling, the work of my own hands to display my glory. I will multiply the least of you into a thousand and the weakest one into a mighty nation. I am Yahweh, and when the right time comes, I will accomplish it swiftly. This perfectly describes the righteous revolution. The days of sadness will be over. All your people will be righteous, possessing the land, multiplying the least of you. Did you catch that part of it? Multiplying the least of you. Those of you that I don't have nothing. God says, if, you, if you're the least, and you're, you'll be, I'll multiply you a thousand times. The weakest of you, I'll make you a mighty nation. It all comes down to his time, doesn't it? We heard an incredible message yesterday at our, our uh, conference on Kronos and Kairos time, and I've been talking about that over the last number of months, but it all comes down to Kairos time. If you know how to tell the seasons apart, you can discern when it's God's time. Now, maybe that's tough in Texas, you know? But we've had a little example of it this week, but think about it. You open the door, still a furnace. Open the door, still a furnace. Open the door, still a furnace. Open the door, wow, the wind's really blowing. Open the door, it's cold. Did that not describe this last week? So, you know, we, don't, we have a hard time because then the next time you open the door, the furnace might be back right? But come with me to my hometown just for a moment, because some of you are from other areas, and you, you understand the seasons. 
You see, when it's summertime, when it's summertime, it's hot in the day. Hot, real hot. And you might even have to use a fan at night by the window because at night the cool air comes in. Like we do artificially with our air conditioner, right? You get fresh air in the summer through your window with a little fan. That's summer. Then you walk out one morning in September and you go, brr. And you walk back in and you get your sweatshirt on. And then you start watching these things fall off of the trees from different colors. It's amazing. Ours all do that in a day. You're like, look at the green trees. Where'd they go? They're gone. <laughs> Yesterday, after I got home from the conference, it was halftime of my game. I missed the first half. But in the second half, I saw my hometown. I saw all the beautiful colors. And I said, it's fall. It's fall. Once the last leaf falls off the tree, it's winter. It gets really cold. And then when the trees go, and they turn green, it's spring. And it starts to get a little warmer. That's how you know the seasons. Now, I know for us, it's open the door, ooh, hot, open the door, oh, hot, open the door, cold, windy, open the door, cold, open the door, kind of warm, open the door, hotter, 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 wind, cold. It can happen every day. But I'm here to tell you that it's God's season. It's God's season. And it's time, it's time in God's timing to do something amazing. Because when it's God's time, you know it. When it's God's time, there's an excitement in the air. When it's God's time, there's a freshness in worship. It's not like you wake up and go, oh no, it's Sunday again. You wake up, oh yes, it's Sunday today. So when it's God's time, you're ready to walk into the new. You're ready to walk into the revolution. You're ready to walk into intimacy. And I believe that's where God has us this morning, in the new season, in this righteous revolution. And so this morning, I'm going to do something a little different because I want, us to, I want us to really learn something that's a, a value to me. And that's not that when it's 1130, we split but that when it's 11.30, we're done, but we're just getting started. So, in other words, if you have to go, please feel free in just a moment. Don't leave yet. In just a moment, feel free. But we're actually going to amp it up a little bit. We're actually going to move into a time of worship, and I'm not going to do the altar call right away, and I may not even do an altar call. This I don't know what I'm doing. But I know we're pressing in. And so this morning, I've asked Ty just to take us back into worship. And as I feel the Lord, as the Spirit moves, I'll come back. But I want us to press in. 
If you got to go because it's 11.30, you feel free to slip out because we're not slipping out yet. We're going to keep going and we're going to press in this morning because God's not finished yet. There's something good about to happen. So let's all stand and let's press in this morning. Thank you for listening today. May you as a son or daughter of the Father know the true love of Jesus Christ and understand your true identity as a royal member of his family. If you live in Polk, San Jacinto, or Trinity County in Texas, consider joining us live at 8125 U.S. Highway 190 West in Livingston. We have services Sunday at 10 a.m., Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Like us on Facebook, and if you would like to partner with us, check us out online at cotl.live.